Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essay speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. We would also like to inform you of an upcoming Sexaholics Anonymous Internet Marathon. Around the World in 24 Hours will take place starting at noon Universal Time on November 29th and will end promptly at noon Universal Time on November the 30th. It's free to register online at www.sim.sexaholicsanonymous.eu. Thank you very much, and without further ado, welcome to The Daily Reprieve. Hi, my name is Cal. I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is June 15, 2000. And um, I appreciated the readings. I love the readings. I fit the, parag- I fit the first sentence of the third paragraph. We became true addicts, sex with self, promiscuity, adultery, dependency, relationships, and more fantasy. That's me. And so I'm I know I'm where I belong when I am um, in the SA program. I'll tell you what it was like, and, uh, and I'll keep a close watch on the clock here. I, uh, my story is similar to uh, all of your stories. Um, I, I have the, the same basic uh, genesis of discovery of sexuality in my early years. I don't want to go into detail about that. The, de- the sexuality development developed through my teens my in- into my early adulthood. My addiction started as did my, most of ours around age six and continued to grow through my uh, early development, my teens, my early adulthood, and it was a developing process. This developing process was characterized by discovery which is self-experimentation. And um, and then it was also coupled with secrecy and shame. The hiding and the secrecy was the genesis of the development of a double life. I learned that really early and really well. And my double life continued through my adulthood into many years. I was very much aware of the stigma of this disease. And um, my lust grew in spite of what I knew, in spite of this stigma, and it had a mind of its own and continued to grow. I had thousands of failed attempts to quit over and over and over I tried to quit. In my early 20s, I was married, and uh, we uh, had six children, and um, uh, I continued to act out. Uh, within a year, I was involved with someone, with another woman at college, and uh, continued uh, uh, that, and then there was a brief reprieve. I grew more and more into uh, involving others early on, and over and over, and it grew into a loss of myself, uh, my boundaries, and uh, as I said, within a year, I was involved in an affair. With a year, within a year of marriage, my higher power that continued for many years, and uh, <clears throat> finally resulted 
in a, an affair that lasted for over a year. Of course, my spouse figured out what was going on and uh, it had many uh, consequences of that. Uh, she uh, filed for divorce appropriately and, uh, and uh, my uh, higher power rescued me. The consequences of this discovery of my affair resulted in, uh, in um, the loss of many things, my good name, I lost my business, I lost my family, I kept my job, I lost thousands and thousands of dollars, and, um, and uh, my higher power rescued me and my marriage and my spouse. I, I focused my recovery on what God could do for me and did because I couldn't. And I had significant recovery for oh, eight or nine years. I experienced a lot of trauma during those years um, while I was in recovery. I was not attending SA. I did not attend SA for years. I knew I needed to. I knew before I got into the affair I needed to, but I was uh, well known. I knew if I went, everybody would know, and that would be the end of my life. My life ended anyway, but um, I was uh, I, I worked for uh, I worked in the addiction field. I attended my first twelve step meeting in 1972, so I'm totally familiar with. 12 steps, I knew that I did not want to go to a meeting. Because of the trauma that I was involved with for the period of time, I uh, eventually ended up with a relapse. The relapse lasted for five to six years. My lines disappeared, boundaries disappeared. The addiction resurfaced and exploded. And during this craziness, I minimized the consequence of my acting out with women and with dependency relationships, I became more and more involved with more and more women. Finally, a major crisis, it took a major crisis to stop me. I was out of control, and um, uh, I uh, had crossed professional boundaries. With the crisis of disclosure and discovery, which is terrible for someone living a double life, I... Uh, I uh, lost my license. Uh, my church was involved. I had lawsuits filed against me. I had criminal threats. I got to pay a lot of money to attorneys. I uh, was uh, had had worked out out of court settlements with some people needing a settlement rather than wanting to go through court. I filed my second and third bankruptcy during this time. I lost my house, my business, my job, and my good name. I had tons and tons of shame. Um, I had shame because I was so well known. Um, divorce was again filed. I sold my house to settle the legal claims. I was not employable. And uh, I lost my, the respect of my children, my family, my uh, grandchildren, and they asked that I not talk about my recovery, about who I was that had anything to do with my addiction. I never involved uh, my children, but uh, they 
decided I was never involved with children, but people in my family, married people in my family, decided that they had to protect their children from me. What did I do about all this? I knew that if I went to any 12-step meeting, I would be recognized. April 23, 1999, I went to a 12-step meeting, to an AA meeting. There was about 30 people in the meeting. And I, um, at the end of the meeting, someone came up to me and welcomed me and said, it's nice to see you here. Um, so what I had feared, in fact, was true. The next day, which was a Saturday morning, I went to my first essay meeting for me. And uh, that was on April 24th. 1999. I continued to go to 12-step meetings. I need to tell you what I did. I involved myself in a meeting every day. I traveled quite a bit. So if I traveled, when I got to a place I could have would go to a meeting, I went to a meeting. If not, I would go to two to three meetings the day I got back or whenever I could do it within the next day or two. I uh, therefore attended odd um, Uh, over 700 meetings. Uh, In fact, I attended a meeting every day except for three days during my first two years of recovery. I involved myself in five fellowships. I uh, went to SA, SAAA, SLAA, RCA, and uh, AA. I uh, got to my SA meeting and knew I needed a sponsor. My sponsor uh, was wonderful. I got a second sponsor. So I had two sponsors, and they were wonderful. And my first sponsor told me that I should go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I went to 90 and 90, and I was so proud of myself. And I went back to him, and I said, I've done it. Now what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to do another 90 and 90. This time, keep your mouth shut. You don't know anything. I continued the 90 and 90 through those two years of time. I was so dedicated to this that I traveled 90 miles one way, to attend joint meetings where there was an SA meeting and an Esanon meeting held at the same facility. It was a long drive. We listened to a lot of recovery tapes because we couldn't talk to each other. It was so hard because of the pain. I went because I needed to live and I needed to survive. When I hear people talking in recovery meetings about how hard it is, my reaction is, well, why the hell don't you go to another meeting? Just go to a meeting, go to a meeting, go to a meeting, meetings, meetings, meetings. We know that. I went to international conferences. I went to the, the state retreats. I went to regional conferences. And I involved myself in the fellowship. <clears throat> At an international meeting somewhere around 2000, I think it was, I was in the meeting and walking down the hall was my boss. I was shocked my boss of 15 years earlier, and I was shocked, and I said, what are you doing here? And he says, well, same thing you are. We talked, and he said, and I said, you knew about this? He said, yes, I knew, and I would watch you, but I knew that while I was in the fellowship, you were not ready, and, um, but it's welcome, and it's nice to have you here. I stayed involved for, for years. And um, both my spouse and I are still involved in recovery meetings. She attends Essanon and Al-Anon. And um, I just had to go to meetings. I still go to meetings. I spent hours and hours and hours 
with my sponsor. I spent hours and hours in recovery, hours and hours going to meetings. I involved my brothers and other people in my life to help me. I attended I, uh, therapy. In fact, I went to the Menger Clinic yeah, uh, inpatient program. It's a program was for professionals in crisis in Kansas. And I went there for treatment and for assistance. It took me 16 months from April to stop. And, um, and uh, I stopped when um, my, I had another crisis. My wife discovered me on the computer. And uh, the next day, that was June 14th of 2000, the next day is the first day of my recovery, June 15th of 2000. I want to tell you what it's like for me now. I have learned many, many things. I love recovery. I don't love the addiction. I love my higher power and I love recovery. My recovery has grown more powerful, more peaceful, and I've learned to help others. And... Um, I gained greater insights. Recovery, you don't get them if you don't have the recovery. At five years, I learned more. At 10 years, I learned more. At 15 years of recovery, I thought, I never saw this before. I love talking to old-timers who have the same perspective. I still go to meetings. At some meetings, I've been criticized because I'm going to a meeting that and that wonder, people wonder, why are you going to a meeting when you have so much re- recovery time? I don't like to go to meetings where people just dump. I, I, I've had people vomit on me all too long. I want to go where people talk about their strength, their hope, their recovery. I want to hear people say, I love recovery. This is what happened. This is what's working for me. It's different in my spousal relationship. It's different with my friends. It's different with my family, and I love it. It's worth. It's worth every bit of effort, every bit of effort to have those kinds of experiences, to know those kinds of things, and to recover. I've listened to thousands and thousands of stories of of, uh, people talking about what happened to them. As I've listened in the past few days to the recordings of these calls, it brought to my mind a keen awareness that for most of us, there's an underlying disturbance that needs to be resolved. And, um, and there's no really long-term sobriety until both the addiction and any unresolved disturbance is taken care of. I'm very selective of who I sponsor. I am very selective of that. I've sponsored multiple people all over. That's fine. Um, When I sponsor, God is there. And uh, I have a different career now. I uh, teach medical psychology at a college. Uh, My spouse and I remain uh, involved in recovery programs. I've expanded my views beyond simply working in the SA program. I volunteer at hospitals. I do pastoral care at hospitals. Many, many patients 
are there because of alcoholism, failed relationships, sexual addiction, or other addictions, drug addiction. And I can openly talk with them about my years of experience with the addiction and with the recovery. My higher power moves me in places where I can be of help to people. And that's a joyous part of my recovery. That's a joyous part of my life now. And I have formed deep friendships over many years and uh, in this program, and I'm grateful for that. With that, I'll take another 24, and thank you for letting me share.